0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Sullivan & Son Sports Podcast. I'm Seamus Sullivan. And I'm Mark Sullivan. So recently we had uh, Bartman collect a World Series ring. I know you saw this. What is your take on that?
1: Well, I think it was a an, an extremely kind gesture on behalf of the Cubs organization to be doing it. I I had no thought, really would did not cross my mind at all, but I'm certain that uh, somewhere... Clearly, they were thinking about it and wanted to to recognize him and try and build a, a bridge and close a, the thoughts on him being the scapegoat for their 2003
0: playoff exit. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really nice. Um, I read into it, watched uh, some videos on it, too, and it sounds like when the Ricketts family took over, they actually tried to reach out a, a bunch of different times and he just doesn't want it because he just wants, like, his privacy sort of thing. That's what he's always said. But, uh, yeah, it was it was really – I thought it was really thoughtful. I thought it was an interesting move by them to give him a World Series ring. But I didn't realize that – so they have a certain one for, like, uh, players and I think the manager and maybe some execs or some people have one ring. And then there's actually a different ring for, like, the security guards and – other like workers and that's the one bartman got was he got one of the more generic ones
1: um i didn't realize that security guards got a ring
0: right i think it's any employee of the organization i think i don't know how it works who gets one but they're definitely they work at wrigley so but i thought that was that was a really cool move of them I think he should have gotten one of the nicer ones <laughs> for the, all the pain he's endured over well, the years.
1: So I guess their their rings, the commissioned rings that the players are wearing, are worth seventy thousand dollars. So I don't know that they're giving him a seventy
0: thousand dollar ring. the The funny part I that I've thought was, I read this article, and then I watched like an in, in interview, uh, or not an interview, but like a these two guys talking about it and they were talking about, is he going to have to declare this on his taxes or not? <laughs> and they said, well, it's like the one guy was saying it's a gift. So the Cubs have to pick up the taxes on that. Well, That's actually, abuse, I don't, you
1: know? I, I get, I'm not a, I'm not consult your own tax accountants, but <laughs> it, gifts are generally not taxable mm. in general. Uh, but certainly if it was uh, extreme value,
0: I think his ring was like fifteen thousand dollars is what they Man, said it's still
1: still an incredibly generous token on, on right. by the cubs to, to do on their behalf and you know and they could have i i think it was a certainly a reflection of bartman's privacy that he got it in the office at the <laughs> cubs office not before a game he didn't throw out the first ball in the no. game or anything like that <laughs> so You know, he didn't just continue to want to be out of the limelight. But for some people who may not even know who Steve Bartman is, it's probably a good reminder because it's been 14 years since he uh, came onto the scene. But he was a a fan uh, by himself as a single single ticket holder that day, as far as I understand, at the 2003 Game 6 uh, National League Championship Series. And, of course, at that time, the uh, Chicago Cubs hadn't been in the
0: World Series for almost a hundred years they hadn't even been in a World Series it was 45 was their last oh, yeah, World Series yeah, right, appearance right right
1: hadn't hadn't won the World Series since 1907 and
0: 1908
1: mm-hmm. and uh, Bartman was in the, the along the left field foul line in the stands and uh, there was he ball was hit his way and probably Moises Alou would have been able to catch the ball um but Bartman reached out, snagged the ball, uh, put his hand on the ball, so Alou could not grab it, could not make that that second out in the in the inning and in, in the eighth inning, and so the Cubs went on to lose the game horribly. Um, and many fans blame Bartman because of the fact that they weren't able to get that. But they would, I think, they probably would have collapsed anyways. They gave up a ton of runs after that, um, but. He became part of Cubs losing folklore because of his involvement in that Game 6 in the 2003 National League Championship Series.
0: Yeah, certainly he didn't force them to make the other errors or then go on to lose Game 7. Right, they they
1: lost but Game 7 Cub fans, without any help.
0: Chicago fans are notoriously uh, not, um, what is the word I'm looking for?
1: Not forgiving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, uh, they're they're very harsh on their players. But in more, I guess, uplifting news, Beltray got his 3,000th hit. Yeah. I know we were talking about him last week with his... The moving uh,
1: of the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: getting ejected from moving on the on-deck circle. Moving the on-deck circle. It was funny. I watched a video, and it was titled, All of... Adrian Beltre's ejections, and it was like ten or twelve minutes long. I'm like, oh, this this will be good. There was two. <laughs> they t- spent ten minutes on two. Yeah, ejections. they they literally, they literally showed like the whole interaction. So that was number three was the on deck circle incident. So to be ejected three times in twenty years of baseball is pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the average is, but I think that would be fall below the
0: the average. For 20, uh, 20 seasons. <laughs> I would say, what, averages once a season?
1: Yeah. You know, actually, I probably, I would say it's probably less than that. I less think than that? You think about it over the course of a season, I don't know how many how many players get ejected, but, yeah, I, w- I would say the average uh, player gets ejected less than once a year.
0: Mm. I saw recently Mike Trout got ejected. I think it was his first time getting ejected. Oh,
1: my goodness. Yeah. How did he get ejected? What did he get? I, was he I think it
0: was, it was something with a strike call, something like that. Okay. And Harper got ejected for the same thing. Bryce uh, Harper? Yeah. yeah, he, he doesn't have too many of those either. But.
1: Well, and I think it was uh, talking about good gestures again. I, I'm not sure how, how the other major league clubs handle it, but we uh, attended the uh, game tonight. Freezing cold game tonight at the uh, Target Field in Minneapolis. Uh, the game between the Minnesota Twins and the Texas Rangers, and of course, Beltray was there. He plays for the Rangers, and his first at bat, they showed a replay of that three thousands hit and recognized him. He tipped his hat to the to the fans, and they gave him a, a nice. All four of them. No, the <laughs> those Minnesota
0: nice people. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it, because I don't know what the temperature was like. Fifty-five degrees. It was a, a sparse crowd there, but they. It, I think it was a, a nice gesture on their part to show the hit uh, to recognize him and for them for him to the thirty-first
0: player. Yes, to join exactly. The Three thousand hit club.
1: It's a pretty rare. Still, I mean, thirty-one seems like a lot, but when you think about. Uh,
0: over a hundred plus years of baseball,
1: exactly happens about once every three years, and well, and actually, it didn't happen for a long time for the, uh, for many, many years. There was no one who had who reached that um, threshold.
0: So, yeah, I thought it was cool. Well do done. you remember the Do you remember the Bartolo Colon home run? Yes, I do. <laughs> that was that was pretty sweet to see him hit that. Spent a lot of years in the American League, so he didn't have a ton of abs, but over on on tuesday we had two two pitchers hit their first home runs which was pretty cool we had max scherzer hit a hit a long ball and then lester went deep as well what was they both had very odd circumstances for their home runs with scherzer he said a neck injury is what he credits a neck injury for him being able to hit a home run he said he couldn't turn his head left or something like that, along those lines, and somehow that helped him <laughs> hit better. And then with Lester, he hit a home run uh, and got his 2,000th strikeout in the same game.
1: Well, it says that Scherzer actually left the game with neck spasms after he mm-hmm. hit it. So they, he, he said
0: the neck; he had been dealing with it already. He had a strain <laughs> in his neck, and I, I didn't understand what he was trying to say about how that helped him hit a home run.
1: Keep his head
0: still. Yeah, right. Kept his eye on the ball because he couldn't move it. (laughs) And then with Lester, I think they said, um, I think it was Glavine who was the only other pitcher to hit a home run, his first home run, and get his 2,000 strikeout in the same. It was Greg Maddox, Tom Glavine. Who's the other guy? Oh, Tom Glavin? Glavin.
1: Oh, uh, the third one, he went on to be a great reliever too. I can see him. He he was the one who pitched Game Seven of the nineteen ninety one uh, World Series. Uh, uh, I think it was Glavin. Yeah, Glavin was the John Smoltz.
0: Actually, you know what? Now that I hear, yeah, it might have been one of those two guys. That's who I remember. Uh, they said it was the only other pitcher to do that. Lester is a career ninety three average hit 0.93 is his baseball average. Well, is
1: he, where does he stand among pitchers? I know that that's probably pretty poor.
0: That is that is awful though. He hasn't always pitched in the National League. Spent a few years with the the Red Sox. But there was a point where he was I remember he hadn't had a hit in like 100 at-bats. Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> horrid. Yeah. And it's so almost
1: as bad as Buxton. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I hope one of our avid listeners is out there. <laughs> we were again. We're at the game tonight. And I think he has an eight-game hitting streak, and his average is .220. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> but I thought that was incredible that th- this guy can barely – he can't get – he can't buy himself a single, and he hits a home run. It's, it's pretty crazy. And, and to do it on the same day as another guy to get his first home run, and they both had really weird uh, circumstances surrounding their home runs. But – It just, it it reminded me of the Bartolo Colon home run where just hit that fly ball deep to left field, barely, barely got it out. I I feel like the left fielder almost just kind of let him, let him get that one. Didn't really try for it, (laughs) but that was, that was a crazy moment. And the the announcer was, the announcer was going nuts too, which was pretty funny. So you wanted
1: to change. We've talked uh, a lot of baseball here. Not that we talked a lot, but we've only talked baseball and you wanted to switch into, uh, we've we like two sport athletes, and you wanted to talk about another two sport athlete.
0: Yeah, it was it was interesting because I know uh, a lot of people saw Steph Curry golfing with um, Justin Timberlake and uh, Tony Romo, and they're actually all they're all decent golfers. Um, I think Steph Curry is definitely the better of the three, but at that celebrity uh, golfing event, there was a guy in the. Um, in the fan section, yelling out, Hey, Hey, Tony, all these people said you'd hold my baby. Come hold my baby. And, and Tony just ignores him. And then, uh, uh Steph Curry walks by. He's like, Steph, Steph, everybody, everybody here said that you'd hold my baby. Come on, Steph, you got to hold my baby. He, he ignores him. And then Justin Timberlake walks by and he's going, Justin, Justin, all these people said you'd hold my baby. Come hold my baby. And Justin Timberlake actually, uh, Listen to the guy he comes over and holds the guy's baby, and then <laughs> Steph Curry walks over and they do the thing from Lion King, the oh. ah, but he and he like lifts the guy's baby up, and then they gave it back to him. But I thought that was really funny. And then, um, so we had that Web.com tour thing with the the birdies for beers. You remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Same
0: We're- tour, uh, Web.com tour. Steph Curry actually went and played. So these are professionals freshman athletes it's it's like the minor league of golf and 156 guys went out on this first day thursday and he finished 142nd 74 he had a four over par 74 so how would you feel if you were the one of those 14 guys beaten by a basketball player who golfs for fun
1: now, this was only the first day, so they could come back. <laughs> I would like to be paired with Steph Curry. That would, of course, maybe that would be a little more intimidating because you're going to have a lot more people following you oh, around. Oh, yeah,
0: that's true. That's a lot true. of
1: media following you around. If you're paired with Steph Curry on the second day of the tournament or even the first day, uh, you're getting way more attention than you've ever gotten in your career. So that would be amazing.
0: It was crazy. His, his first shot, so first hole, first tee box, Hit it a little left, it ended up in the cup holder of a golf cart. Oh wow. What an incredible what? shot. Wrong hole. But he got it in there in one shot.
1: So then then you tell the guy to drive his cart over <laughs> close to the green I, and I'm gonna tip take my drop.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take my drop right here. Oh, it went in.
1: <laughs> no, don't even take a drop. Tell the guy just to, to take a spin and and land it on its side so that the he's really I, close. I didn't even
0: think they had golf carts anywhere near uh uh, the, the, the playing, uh, you know, well,
1: where again, where we like to talk about tournament or non PGA events. That's talk true. About the, uh, <laughs> they
0: the, probably have the beer guy going around on a yeah, call
1: <laughs> for the players, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> selling <laughs> beer, selling food, you know, selling some snacks out there.
1: Well, uh, again, I, now pretty, pretty slow, uh, sports week. Uh, I did. I was reading a little bit about the fact that it looks like uh, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Tannehill, might be lost for the season. I saw that. He uh, everybody guess, wants
0: him to sign Colin Kaepernick.
1: He well, the uh, other person that's placing his name in that hat because of the coach of the Miami Dolphins is it was, Adam Gase. Yep was also the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears when he played for them. And he had some pretty good seasons when Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator.
0: He's oh, now- Jay Cutler's yeah. going to come out of retirement? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no way. That'd be that'd be crazy.
1: Again, it doesn't sound like the Dolphins are pursuing Cutler, but Cutler's... I think he'd
0: be an even more expensive option to turn in a disappointing record. Right. I don't think either of them are going to... Um, I, I think Kaepernick would be the the better upside, just because you could probably get him for cheaper. And then I think at this point in his career, he's he I don't know. It's tough because he does still have that running ability, but I, I, they're just they're both not very good.
1: <laughs> well, I, again, I think Capern uh, I think both of them are better than most people give him credit for being. Uh, I, just I, right. be I just don't know if you want I just don't know if you want them leading. I think there's a a part of it where you're, you're looking for the leadership qualities uh, for a team, and I don't know if either one of them have the leadership qualities that a football team would want.
0: We're so close. We're we're I think five weeks away from the start of the NFL season. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I start thinking about
1: how, how the the length of time for the spring they don't call it spring training. Um, training camp, NFL training camps and preseason is really not that long. When you're thinking about bringing players in, getting them up to speed and evaluating these people who you drafted or signed as a free agent or even you had last year or the year before and maybe they were injured, you think about that is really a short window um, to to bring them up to speed. I think there is – you know, I you know we've talked offline about it. I think there is an opportunity for someone if they can get it to work to create a developmental league where players who probably could become good players, but they were just off that uh, skill set or just off the knowledge that they needed coming into training camp or coming out of college, or perhaps couldn't play college ball because of their grades,
0: I think there is an opportunity for someone who has a... Well, we, we talked about that, yeah. that development. Um, did you hear about the one quarterback who got hit in college and was diagnosed with a concussion or something? They told him, you know, don't don't play sports ever again. And it was actually a misdiagnosis. He had some sort of like, I can't remember what it was, if it was like vertigo or something else treatable. So he, he didn't play college football. Obviously, was never drafted but now realizes he can play football again and he was at that camp he's only he's only in his early 20s now he's on this medicine for it so yeah guys like that who they really don't have a shot to to make a comeback maybe the uh, the arena league or the canadian football league right? i mean
1: you, you if you were uh kurt warner you just would not have an opportunity to play he played nfl europe and and was able to you know, continue to develop his skills. I think he played arena, arena league as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. But, uh, uh I think so he credits the NFL Europe more because, uh, it was like the, the Rams directly saw him then or something they had, it was like the Rams affiliate or something like that. They're well, NFL it, Europe affiliate or right. something. Right.
1: And, and they were using NFL coaches and running an NFL style, mm-hmm. um, game. So yeah, if if you, much closer
0: than arena league is in true. terms of rules,
1: Right. If you could develop a, a league that could work that way, I'll see. Uh, it's a, I think the difficulty isn't extremely expensive to do, and I think it would take time to develop a fan base.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would watch it, but, you know, it it's really about can you get enough people to watch it and market it and get sponsors for it, and then you still got to pay all these players and all, all this stuff, so it, it does, it starts to add up, but man, I'm, I, I'm not even a huge college football fan, but I'm just ready for football to come. Anything else. <laughs> not that baseball is boring, but it's definitely the least exciting of the four sports.
1: And the season is just so long. Yeah. You know, it just... It's a
0: notch above soccer.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> when soccer is pretty low. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are we going to call it a show?
0: I think that's it for this week.
1: All right. Great talking to you.